Spirit uh, of God to move. Here's the thing about the battle. Now, the Bible talks about the fact that there is a battle. And you might be here online and you're just kind of maybe new or maybe you're just kind of visiting and you're new and you're kind of not figuring, well, what's this battle about? Well, the Bible talks about the fact that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. It says that in Ephesians chapter 6. It says you need to arm yourself. In other words, you've got to be prepared. And then all of a sudden we read in 1 Peter that, that the devil is kind of like this, this lion, a prowling lion, and we need to be, in the King James Version, it says, sober, vigilant. You need to be ready. You need to be aware. And even in 2 Corinthians, when they talk about the fact that, the, that it's Satan, that we are not unaware of his devices. In all those things, it basically says this, be aware. Realize that there is a battle going on. Now the problem is this, and I think that this is perhaps the devil's greatest trick, is that he portrays to us things which we think are the, the spiritual battle when in reality they are not. That some of the most biggest and greatest and strongest and the most battles that we need to win are the ones that sometimes we are absolutely unaware of. And when it comes to spiritual battle, I find many times that what Satan wants to do is he wants you, if you go to heaven, to get to heaven empty-handed or alone or both. The many times some of the things that we fight in battle in this life are not really things that Satan has created or is trying to do. Maybe he'll try to get encouraged, you discouraged in whatever battle you might be facing, if it's a physical battle or whatever. But it has to do with this life. I don't know so much if Satan is as interested in those battles as the ones that will directly affect your soul for eternity. Does that make sense? Does that resonate for all of us? And sometimes the things that we battle and we face and we think that the devil is on our case over these things are just opportunities that God is using to mold our faith, to develop us. Not necessarily a spiritual battle, but something that we need to continue to pray and support and cling on to God for as we, as we grow in Him. So, again, what are these battles? What are some of the most important things that we need? What are the ones that we need to win? Well, this week I want to talk about the battle of our serenity, or what is called the battle for Sabbath. And it's an important thing, and it's, 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 it's interesting that we live in a world that is obsessed with work. We are literally working ourselves to death. And this becomes even a greater thing when we consider the economy that we are now facing. The pressure to work more becomes more apparent because things cost more. It's like a person um, who goes in and says to his boss, listen, boss, um, I just want to tell you that there are three companies after me, and, um, and I would very much like a raise. It is something which is important for me. And so uh, because he was a good employer, the, the, the boss sat there, and they, they, they haggled over, and he finally he gets a 7% raise. And he says, thank you very much, and I'll just get back to work. And he says, oh, by the way, who are these three companies that are after? He says, well, the electric company, the gas company, the phone company. And I don't know if that resonates with you. But it's true. For many are work and many are exhaustion, they become the idol. It was Gordon McDonald that said that busyness will do more damage to our soul than pornography ever could do. And when we stop and consider how powerful a statement that is, um, 
And we talk about the fact that we are very much overworked, and many of us overworked. If you take a look at those people, a list of those people who are overworked, the top person on the list, or the top individual on the list, are homemakers. People who have to put the home together, and many times have to work as well as putting the home together, and, and then professionals and, and business owners, small business owners particularly, usually jobs where you don't have a punch clock, where work is just continually in the back of your mind. Not only that, we take a look at the church community. And, and, and we are forced, it seems many times, there's so many needs, there's so many things that we want to do, we want to see God move, that we kind of feel are obligated to work as hard as we possibly can. We don't warn people about overwork, we pat them on the back. Oh, you're a great worker, God must really, God must really be doing something in your life. And, then, and we bought into the lie that the hardest working person is the most spiritual person, or the person that loves Jesus the most. And as a result, what we do is we begin to fade away and not obey what is called the fourth commandment, the fourth of the Ten Commandments. And we're not observing Sabbath rest as a, a small infraction, or it's a non-infraction non for, for some of us. It is it's probably seen for some of us as the least important of the Ten Commandments, that it's an optional thing, that there's no consequences if we don't observe the Sabbath. And we're at the point where many of us do not even know how to slow down or how to even practice Sabbath. And some of us, we have tried and we have failed and we have given up. And it may be a surprise to say that Satan has robbed us blind as a result, that a huge treasure has been taken from us. Someone once said that the greatest gift that God has given us from heaven is that of Sabbath. And what happens is we have this gift and we never, ever open it. Anybody here have um, one or two gifts under the tree still from Christmas? No? You're saying, what are you talking about? The tree's been gone a month ago. January or December 26th, the tree was down. Well, for some of us, for other people, it was, is later. And the thing is, gifts are something which are meant to be. Oh, can you imagine that if you had a gift under the tree? So I'll wait till March. I'll wait till April. No problem at all. I'm not really that interested as to what it is and, and to enjoy it uh, for what it was meant to be enjoyed. And I think this, many times, pastors can be the worst. And I think that the whole church will suffer when spiritual leadership does not take the time for the Holy Spirit to replenish them so that they can pour back into others. The other delusion is this. That we have learned to rest from our work, but I'm not too sure how many of us have learned to work from our rest. You know what I mean? Are you resting from your work, or are you working from your rest? If you're here and you're resting from your work, I guess it's a good thing, but Satan will trade that in every single day. That there's something more to it than just kind of having a nap or taking the day off. As a result, we have this epidemic of stress and emotional illness and spiritual depletion. We begin to lack joy and peace. We no longer have true fellowship and closeness with God. And all of a sudden, the shallowness created in our lives is there because we haven't taken that time to just be with Jesus. And as a result, we become a mile wide and an inch deep. I think that God wants to do something deeper in our lives. And um, so it is one of the greatest gifts that we could be given. 
So let's take some time, if we could, to talk about Sabbath. Let's talk about why we desperately need Sabbath. To realize it is probably one of the greatest spiritual battles that you will have. And to realize that it will revolutionize your life and your intimacy with God. So turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is the second time where God begins and it says in Scripture, talks about the thing which is called the Ten Commandments. And I just wanted to talk from Deuteronomy 5 because I think that there's something neat that you need to understand. Starting at verse 12, for those of you who are watching, those of you who have your physical Bibles, maybe you are online and you have your online Bible, then that is terrific. It says this, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, or any foreigner residing in your town, so that the male and the female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with his mighty hand and with his outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe Sabbath day. Pretty definitive. What are some things that we learn about this particular passage of Scripture and, and the idea of Sabbath in general? Well, first of all, like I said before, it is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't know if they are listed in importance, but there have been rabbis and that there have been teachers that said it's impossible to do all the, all the other commandments without this fourth one. That there's tied into all of them. As a matter of fact, if you look at the, the Ten Commandments, the one that has the most explanation to it is this one. It goes on and explains in detail what it's supposed to be. And God declares it to be holy, to be set apart, to be a cut above, to be regarded as more important than others. As a matter of fact, Sabbath was the very first thing, if you take a look at Genesis chapter 2, Sabbath was the very first thing that God declared to be holy. That's important. That, thing, that, that, that to me signifies and says something thing to us. Now, during the time of this commandment, as this commandment was being made to, to this, this new nation forming, the only person who could actually take a day off was a free male. So if you had some form of freedom, if you had enough money and funds and that, and if you could kind of support yourself and you were a male, you could take a day off. It wasn't the case with women. It wasn't the case with slaves or servants or anything like that. And so what was happening was God was in fact saying, for one day, everybody will be the same. Everybody needs the rest. Here's the other thing. When you consider that the Ten Commandments were made, they were given right after they had come out of Egypt and they were subjected to centuries of slavery, which meant that they worked absolutely every single day. And so they came out and listened to this and they had been working every day and their parents had been working seven days a week every day and their grandparents and their great-grandparents and their great-great-grandparents for generations and generations, probably over a dozen generations. If a generation is 30 years, think back the, the 400 years that it says they're in slavery. That's how many generations 
that they had been subject to working day after day after day after day after day. And so that was the pattern that God asked them to change. And I don't think that that would be that easy. I would imagine that for many of us, we have come from hardworking families where we work day after day after day after day. And now we're in a job where we work day after day after day after day. To do Sabbath is not really an easy thing to do. Here's the other thing. Hopefully this doesn't bore you. I thought this was fascinating. There is a difference between the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 5. When they talk about Sabbath, in, in Exodus chapter 20, basically what is said is this. It took God six days to create the world, and on the seventh day he rested. In Deuteronomy it says this. I was the one who led you out of Egypt. The first one, he says this, concentrate and focus on creation. The second one, he says, concentrate and focus on your salvation. And so you say, what is the, the familiarities and the differences? Both of them had to deal with this, that both of them saw God do work that was absolutely no working of their own. They were absolutely dependent upon God. And so what God was basically saying is, there has to be a time where you come to the realization that I've got everything together. That I've got everything that is, is, is prepared for you to go ahead. It's incredible. So, if this is one of the Ten Commandments, and if it, if it is the most articulated commandment, and if it is the first thing that God declares to be holy, and if it is throughout scriptures people lost out because they refused to obey it, and if this is the, one of the greatest arguments that Jesus had with the Pharisees surrounded Sabbath, and if the scripture talks about the highest levels of blessing being in keeping the Sabbath, and if Jesus states that we were not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for us, why is it that most Christians see the Sabbath as optional? The only logical argument I can think of is that Satan will do everything in his power to keep you from the things most dangerous to keep himself to the things most dangerous from him, and that is people who are working from their rest. Have you ever considered that? Here's the thing. Throughout the centuries, there have been two extremes. You ever notice that? In Jesus' time, there was one extreme, the legalism. They had like 39 laws which helped them to keep the Sabbath. And many times, in many places, those 39 laws are still observed. That Some people will not staple paper because that represents sowing, and that means that you're making something. A lot of people will not turn on the lights because that means that you're lighting a fire. You can't light a fire. They won't drive. And many people in, in, who are part of synagogues have to be close to the synagogue because they have to walk to obey Sabbath. There's this extreme legalism. And on the other side... Of the, the case, there is, there is what, we, what we would call like, a, what, would, what we would call, we'd kind of like a, an irrelevance, irre, irre, irrelevant, there we go, sorry, something which is indifferent. So, well, I don't, yeah, I know it's kind of important, but if I miss it, it doesn't really matter. I'll just say this, that both of them are equally dangerous. Sabbath is like a 24-hour period that we hollow God, that we view it differently. And scriptures in Genesis chapter 2 says that it is to be set apart. It is crucial to your life, being closeness to him, to fulfill him. And many commentators, many theologians say this, that 
When God created the world, at the same time, he creates time. Because God is independent of time. But when all of a sudden the world began, God all of a sudden referenced this in, in reference to time. And so on the first day, he did this. And the second day, the third day, the fourth, fifth, the sixth. And on the seventh day, he said, I'm going to rest. And I am going to give you a gift for yourself. And many commentators believed that what Sabbath was supposed to be was a foretaste of heaven. This is what eternity is supposed to be like. And many commentators, when they talk about the Sabbath, they say there will be many people who will get to heaven and will be unprepared for heaven because they have not ever practiced what it was going to be like here on earth. I just found that really interesting. It kind of added a dimension that I had never, ever considered before. And many professionals and business ex experts today will define the Sabbath and say that it is important. You go and you lead, read uh, leadership books and, and business books. They will say this. You need to take a day off. It's important because you get tired. Your body will wear out. So you need to take that day off. But that's not really what Sabbath is. I guess it's a portion. It's a byproduct of, of, of Sabbath. It is one of the things, I think, which is important. But that's not what Sabbath was intended to do. Sabbath was something where God provides for us, does something in us, provides a, a, a tranquility in our heart, an anointing upon us. He equips us so that we can go the rest of our week serving Him in the fullness of his, of his presence. Not the end where all of a sudden you work yourself to, to a grind and then you take the rest to replenish yourself. Sabbath was meant to be not the leftover. Sabbath was meant to be the thing you start with. It was the platform. We serve God and we do Sabbath because God can pour into our hearts so that we intend, in turn can go and minister in a way because God has actually given us something. Extremely important. So what exactly does Sabbath mean? What exactly does God call us to do? And I, I, I took this from Emotionally Healthy Discipleship from, from uh, Pete Scazzaro. He says this, the Sabbath is a time to stop. That almost takes a step of faith in itself, doesn't it? The word Sabbath actually means to cease. To take that time where you actually Put the brakes on and allow God to move. It's also a time to rest. It is that time where we replenish our soul. It's that time where if the red light, you know, in your car you have that red check oil, check engine light. Many times that goes on in our lives and we just kind of ignore it. Is that thing to replenish it. Is that time to rest so that we can get back to the way that we want to be. To delight to actually have fun, to actually enjoy the day. Sabbath was never meant to be a burden. It was supposed to be something that we enjoy. It was not meant to be boring. It is an act of worship to him. And the last one here is to, um, to reflect, to take time, to contemplate, to go deeper. It was a deterrent to idolatry. Because the more you focus on God, the more you focus on how beautiful he really is. And when you enjoy the beauty of God, and if you stop enjoying the beauty of God, you stop observing his beauty, then you begin to question his goodness. So these are the things 
that God calls us to do. What I wanted to do, if I could, is tell you how you have been robbed if you don't. I don't think that, that there's a lot of people who are here who have been Christians for a long time. And as I was preparing, I'm thinking, what am I going to tell a majority of these people that they don't already know? Well, maybe I can do it by just saying this. If you, if you are at a point in your life where your life is so busy, and yeah, you might be taking the time off, but you're not kind of growing out of the rest, what is Satan stealing from me? The first thing is this, is that he will detach us. It's the first thing Satan wants to do. He wants to unplug you from God and enjoying God and thinking deeper about God and his glory and his work and his grace and his beauty and his power and his love. And all of a sudden, when we become detached from God, we begin to survive on the leftovers. There's no longer that freshness that comes from him. We begin, we begin to gather and become shallow. We begin to rely on other sources rather than God. And we settle with taking what someone else has observed about God. We settle with the quick fix that never really nourishes us. Not only does he detach us, but he depletes us. He takes everything, the resources that God has for us, away. Like the old law promoted, if you read in the, in the Old Testament, part of the law was that they had land, and many times they, they were to grow and to harvest that land for six years. But on the seventh year, remember, they were supposed to let it go. Let the land replenish itself. Well, I believe that there's a principle of that in our lives as well. That we keep giving with the, with the resources that we have. And we keep giving, we keep giving. And if all of a sudden you stop taking that time before God, then you just keep giving. And before long, the harvest that you have is less and less because the, the nutrients and all the things that are, that are needed there are no longer there. We become depleted. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about feet first faith. And I made a statement that a lot of people talked about afterwards, and it was this. You have a choice as to whether you pursue industry over intimacy. When industry takes over intimacy, then all of a sudden it pushes absolutely everything out of our lives. When industry becomes the driver of your life, when it takes over the steering wheel, it does not like to let go. But when intimacy overtakes industry, then we allow God to put something in our hearts which we in turn are able to do to love others. That's why it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then it says, to love your neighbor as yourself. There's something about the replenishing effect that God equips us through his presence. There's something a number of years ago that was referred to as the sinkhole system. What's the sinkhole syndrome? Well, if you have had any kind of experience with a sinkhole, it's kind of an interesting thing. I think we see it more perhaps in warmer weather down in the south. What ends up happening is during times of drought, the underwater springs that are there dry up because they get no rain, they get no replenishing. And all of a sudden there becomes this chasm between the ground and where that, that spring was. 
And all it takes is some type of pressure on the top, and it implodes. Now you think everything is fine, and all of a sudden, the life ex- the, uh, our lives implode because all of a sudden we have just drawn and drawn and drawn from the underwater springs, never ever replenishing them. And then all of a sudden it takes one crisis. It takes one stressful event for all of a sudden our life to fall apart. And it's called the sinkhole syndrome. Sabbath replenishes the underwells of our life. You know, work means absolutely nothing without God in it. You know, whenever we work, I think God sees that as a form of worship. God never ever differentiated between the sacred and the secular when it came to work. And so if you are here and you are a chair maker, then you make that chair to the glory of God. If you here are here in an orderly in a hospital, you work as hard as you can serving people because you know you're going to honor God by doing that. But the thing that puts that all together is the fact that there's a God who wants to replenish you and use you and work you through that. And so that's an important thing. It's the essential truth that your identity is not in the work that you do. Your identity is in the God who you serve and you work for. The last thing is this. It, it deprives us. It deprives us of joy. It deprives us of tasting heaven. Isaiah 58 is one of the most popular passages when you talk about Sabbath. It says this. It says, if you turn your foot from breaking the Sabbath, from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, I think the actual term is an exquisite delight, and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor by not going your own way or seeking your own pleasure or seeking idle, speaking idle words, then you will delight yourself in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the land and feed you with the heritage of your father, Jacob. Don't let Satan deprive you. If you're so busy that you never ever take the time for God to work in you and you do what you do. What you do is important. But you don't do what you do and then rest from it and just try and keep up. You start with the rest. You allow the rest to fill you up with the presence of God and you serve and you work with the presence of God. That's what it's all about. That's why it's so important. So what I did is I kind of jotted down a few things. How do I keep? How do I keep the Sabbath? Well, the first thing I said is this. Is that you post it. You put everything else in your calendar. Why are you not putting the most important day of your week in the calendar? Because many times if you don't post it, many times you don't plan it. And I know people sometimes who will practice Sabbath from 6 o'clock on Saturday to 6 o'clock on Sunday. And what they'll do is they will perhaps light a candle. They'll do something significant to start the day off and the Sabbath off. And they'll do something significant to end it as well. And many times we just don't plan it. Well, the Sabbath will just kind of take care of itself. Well, if you are the type of person who spends most of your time after work sitting on your couch with Cheetos all over your shirt... And a, and a remote control in your hand. The reason that is, is because you probably didn't plan anything. And so if you want to enjoy Sabbath as it is, just think of doing something in a way that honors God. Something that is fun for you. 
which means that the way I observe Sabbath and the way that you observe Sabbath might be absolutely, totally different. To prioritize it. To treat it as the holy day it has been meant to be. Sabbath is not hamburger. Sabbath is filet mignon. It is a cut above. It is the starting point. It is the platform from which the rest of your week will thrive. To protect it, it says. To protect it. Why do we protect it? Because the devil will do everything he possibly can to knock you off Sabbath. I'm here to tell you it's probably one of the greatest spiritual battles, especially in our day and age when so much is thrust upon us. And the last thing is this. To prize it. It is the gift. It is the gift that God has given us. The question I have for you is, have you opened it yet? Sometimes we'll just say, oh, I'm too busy to open it. I'm too stressed to open it. I'm too self-dependent to open it. I'm too unwilling to rely on God to open it. Maybe I'm just too foolish to open it. You know when I believe the last time North America truly Sabbathed? September 11th, 2001. When two planes flew through the, the Twin Towers in New York City. And all the planes stopped. And everybody went home. And everybody hugged their spouses and their kids. And they told them that they loved them. And they observed with hollowness what was going on. Could you imagine if we did it, and we do it for a bad thing, could you imagine what would happen if we did it regularly for the good thing that it is? Like we read so many times in Scripture, just as you're doing your devotions, as you read the Bible, if you're one of those programs that reads the Bible through the year, you'll notice a number of prophets talking about the fact the reason that you are in the state that you are in is because you've just forgotten about Sabbath. And there were a lot of repercussions about Sabbath, even death. Let me ask you this question. Are you slowly killing yourself by not observing and not taking on the gift that God has given you? That if you, that if you observe Sabbath and you delight yourself in the Lord, I will take you and ride you on the heights of the land and, and feed you with the heritage of your father, Jacob. We don't realize it, but Sabbath is a gift. It is an invitation. Albert Schweitzer said this, If your soul has no Sunday, you become an orphan. How many orphans are here today? I heard, I heard in closing, I heard one story that kind of hit me when it came to, to Sabbath. It's a story of a, a guy, and he's walking down the street, and a beggar comes and approaches to him and says, Hey, do you have any money? So he pulls out his pocket. He has $7. He wants to take one for himself, and he says, I got this. And so what the beggar does is he takes the money, and with his other hand, he punches him, grabs the other dollar, and takes off. And you read that story, and you think about that story, and you say... That guy is a real jerk, isn't he? But then what do you think of a person who has been rescued by the grace of Jesus, who insists on grabbing not just the six days, but all of the seven for himself? I'll tell you this. I think 
the thing that I'm the most studious on right now as a pastor and as a, a person is saying, God, if things are going to go ahead, you need to have all of me. I need to take a time where you can move and work in my life, replenish me. Been through a terrible time and we're just trying to figure things out and people are leaving faith and people are, are just not returning to church and, and people are in a quandary. And, and, and many times it's due to the fact that we're just so overwhelmed by anything that we have never taken the time to sit at his feet for a day and say, God, have all of me. How do I enjoy you on this day? How do I create activities that, that I can just enjoy the presence of the Lord and build up something that I actually have to give to my workers and my friends and my neighbors? Amen? God, I just pray for every single individual who's here. God, I just pray for me as a pastor, Lord, to continually observe Sabbath. And it is one of the difficult things that we do. And that's why I think that there's so much battle that is attached to it. I just pray, God, that you will do something deep in our lives. That you will allow us to slow down or create a way that we can slow down, Father, so that we can have absolutely all of you. That's what you did with Sabbath. You created a gift for us. You know, we weren't created for the Sabbath. You were saying Sabbath was created for us. That God, you give us this wonderful thing. And I say right now by the Spirit of God that you will speak to our souls. That you will cause us, Lord Jesus, to take the advantage, to open the gift, to allow God to work in our lives. I pray for every person who is watching online. Maybe they're observing this, and God, you're speaking to their hearts as well. I just ask that the Spirit of God will move in their lives, God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to serve you with all of our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Just pray a blessing upon you. Pray the blessing of Almighty God to rest upon your life, to rest upon your families. Pray for the presence of God to be with you this week. I pray that you'll be all that you can be in Jesus' name, amen. Anyone who is here, we want to open up the altars. We want, if you are here and you have any kind